Happy New Year, everybody. Welcome back to A Handbook for a Handbook for Mortals. Um, You're with James. Me. Yes. You're James. Yes, yes, I'm James, and 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 you're I'm Megan. Megan and, I am. And um, it has been a mercifully long break from this book, but uh, we are we are back once again to discuss uh, chapter ten, the Hanged Man. Yeah, I've got to admit, I started reading this and was like, "Why are we doing this again?" <laughs> I know, I know, I know. But we are we are devoted to our craft. Yes, we um, are. So, um, quick summation of what's happened to date. Now there's actually sort of kind of a plot-ish being <laughs> uh, discussed because you, um, the main character, Zade, has two suitors, Mac and Jackson. Good memory. Thank you. And... Oh Christ! Yeah, if if you want to know how Teflon all the characters are in this book, except for Damar, <laughs> I will always remember Damar. Um, Damar fucking Calrissian. Um, I would suggest taking a break from reading this book and then going back to it. Uh, you could you could, but for Mac and Jackson, you could draw names out of a hat and plausibly continue the narrative but anyway um last chapter um we had a whole bunch of people dunking on chad was his name chad no it wasn't was, it was drew it was drew 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 was gonna be my second guess um <laughs> and there's only because, one reason i can remember that but uh, um because uh drew wasn't ready for zade's jelly because uh, her body's too bootylicious, and uh, so all the other dudes who were trying to get with Zade's jelly dunked on Drew for an extended period of time. See, that would have um, made a good tagline for the last chapter. Uh, yes, yes, that is that is. If if there is one thing I bring to this podcast, it is Beyonce references. Um, <laughs> and chapter eleven, the Hanged Man. We have the most exploration of the rules of magic in this book told <laughs> by means of horrifying racist propaganda, which I'll get to in a minute. Yep. And a, and a bar fight. Yep. That sounds like a good summary. Um, so the hanged man, um, real quick. Did I mention that, uh, inverted, tarot cards doesn't really matter in the thoth reading of the tarot deck oh no we discussed it but neither of us knew enough okay um, yeah that just i just was just want to put that in there because i i am now the proud owner of a thoth tarot deck um reading up on it when you're reading that style like the golden dawn style you don't care so much about inverted uh so which so maybe... style does care about it because i feel like it comes up quite a bit and in... yeah it is it is it is I, I, I think that, like, I statistically speaking, if someone is doing a tarot reading in a work of popular fiction, they are going to mention that, oh, you know, this card is reversed and such and such. So our two options, the two most reasonable options are Lanny Sarum knows enough about tarot 
to go, I am going to have my character do readings in a style that doesn't mention whether a card is reversed or not, or she forgot about it. I feel like if you're going to do it in the first way, um, then you mentioned something about how the reverse or inverted means nothing. So well, it's, it's, it's the character doing the reading. If I recall correctly, like the one who is more focused on it. Well, no, that's right. Cause, cause she and her mom are doing it. Yes. At, you know, in parallel. And so you, yeah, you Zade would have said, as you know, Bob, I, you know, I right. use this method of reading, but anyway, um, so the hanged man, um, is another Trump, and I was stalling for time as I found my copy of it in Promethea. It is the 12th Trump card, so we are approximating uh, the chapter of it. Uh, Him. This is as ever from Alan Moore's Promethea. Time's mills do not for empires stop. Rome's fall was a, was more a gallows drop. Card 12, the hanged man seems to mark how light descended, plunged to dark. The hard-won knowledge of mankind to brute barbarian night consigned. True wealth, Buckminster Fuller said, is information in man's head. How then may we conceive the cost of culture to the lynch mob lost? Yet barbarous North mythology has Odin hung on gallows tree, so to be made initiate in the last mysteries of fate. Initiation, it's implied, may be a dark and desperate ride, a journey through the land of shade required before progress is made. Man's dark age this card may reveal was but a necessary ordeal. The anesthetic dark you'd need for vital surgery to proceed. Rome falls, dark comes, all human life and culture goes under the knife. Fate weighs, mankind is hanged, yet lives the medical alternatives. Um, in my less poetic and briefer g- uh, instructions for Aleister Crowley's Thoth tarot deck, uh... The hangman signifies redemption through sacrifice, enforced sacrifice, suffering, um, if it's ill-dignified, punishment, loss, defeat, failure, and death. Um, None of which really shows up in this chapter. Well, what's his name? Uh, Barfighty McFighty Pants. That's true. uh, Gets a concussion. So, um... At best. Right. Uh, So, chapter... 10 opens with everyone going back to the bar. Yep, we officially uh, have an official hangout place. I right. McMullen's. This is like number three or fourth time. Um, yep. Yeah, McMullen's. So, you know, American pretending to be Irish bar, probably. Well, much like farmers markets, I'm not going to say, oh, there, there can't be any classic Irish pubs in Las Vegas because fucking, what do I know? Maybe there was some weird Irish diaspora and. <laughs> It's an uh, Irish Mecca, and we didn't know it. Um, so I was going to say, let me skip over and... Um, oh, no. We're get starting to the from the racist beginning. propaganda. But yeah, no, no, no. The racist shit goes straight out the gate. Yes. Um, so, well, first so, of all, there's like two paragraphs of like, hey, I haven't figured out who I want to date, and I'm no closer than I have been the last few chapters, and oh, but we're all kind of cool with it and work is fine. But didn't we just have a chapter where Mac and Jackson were talking about it at work? So like her whole, we're all keeping work appropriate and everything is kind of bullshit, right? 
I think this is the one. This is one of the few instances where the author manages to construct Chinese walls between uh, the omniscient narrator okay, and true. Zade because. I, I can absolutely see Zade as a character oblivious enough to not see the seething resentment boiling under the surface of every interaction Mac and Jackson have. Yeah, because, okay, I'll give you that. I guess if you don't see a whole stage of guys turning to look at you as you walk by, you yeah. can't realize that they're probably, um, yeah, you're right. I'll give you that. Maybe we actually have some good writing here. Um, or she forgot about it. That's probably um, true, too. Um, so, so yeah, we get that Jackson is pretty much everything she wants on paper, um, which if you read any other book with romance is never how it goes. You never end up with a guy that you just think is perfect for you on paper, but he is missing one quality. He is not magical that we know he, of. That statement is also miss, missing the uh, open quotation mark in my Yes, there is an chapter. open quotation mark. Except my ideal guy would also have powers, period. Close quote. Yeah. Yep. So, okay. So far, so good. All right. That makes sense. I had learned from my mom that it's easier when you are both magic. Okay. So far, so good. It's actually deeply frowned upon for someone like me to end up with a mortal. All right. So it's getting a little bit Slytherin. (laughs) But okay. still, Still within operating parameters deeply frowned upon by whom well okay so all right hinting at the world beyond it's practically a law for us not to be with our own kind and then we get to the record scratch um my mom instantly became an outcast for having me with a mortal she never cared though because she had always been a rebel dotty a loner and i guess i didn't really care either um, it took a long time before someone explained to me the big deal. And this is where it gets actually distasteful and <laughs> offensive. So I will quote at length. Well, I will continue to quote at length. Open quote. I guess the issue is when you mix, you don't know if your children will be mortal or gifted. Stop right there. I don't like the comparison here. Unless we are implying that the people that have magic are immortal immortal because like maybe that's why they need a handbook to understand us mortals i I guess because like i don't know i feel like these aren't opposites well okay like i'll get to my metaphysical issues with this text here in a bit okay continue Uh, your quote (laughs) but 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 i will you know there's continue there's a yeah exactly maslow's hierarchy of beef here um since I could do magic, mom's excommunication was lifted and eventually people in our world forgot and stopped caring. All right. The worry is that if too many of us pair up with mortals and have mortal children, then we will stop existing. <laughs> so you have the main character espousing white genocide rhetoric. Okay, um, well, finish the actual quote. I care about this. On some level, but that kind of problem is, was something I would fret about later. For the moment, I wasn't marrying someone, so I let those worries be. So, like, setting aside any time someone talks about the problems with mixing races is a big old uh, <laughs> red flag. But when the character explicitly says, you, you know, 
I'm the the worry is that magical people will stop existing. I mean, I was I was expecting, you know, Mom always said that you could keep the rules for magic down to simple fourteen words or something like that. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, you 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 we must secure the existence of our people and a future for magical children. It is it is the same rhetoric, and it is clearly not supposed to be a commentary on anything because this is the protagonist of the book yep. and I, I I have no doubt that the author I am willing to give the author enough credit that she didn't stop to think maybe having a character voice even theoretical concerns about miscegenation is a bad look um and this is the most we get about the world okay there are other magical people out there somewhere somewhere and they are super concerned with race mixing <laughs> and, and, and it's just like ugh. they excommunicated her mother briefly but, they but were allowed back in but i guess like nobody's in middle nowhere tennessee with them because why would she yeah like left? like what is excommunicated from where it's not like she could be exiled further from centerville tennessee exactly um, uh so and, and like what happened to her dad again did her dad he die just walked out on them that's all we know. okay all right so yeah that's like and, and and then she just so she 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 drops the 14 word shit and then she's like Jackson was close to perfect minus the whole just immortal situation but but uh, I mean to be fair to the author always oh, switched back um anytime no not anytime but pop culture wise when you have a magic character there is always some line storyline of mixing magic um uh, and and non-magic folk you know harry potter has it sabrina the teenage witch has it willow from buffy would like to have a word with you on that point I, i'm buffy not saying is... every single one i'm just saying that like when you have i mean buffy is probably of the ones mentioned the most realistic but also right. buffy isn't is... she wiccan and not a witch well <sighs> There is she no line cast, between the two. Well, she can cast spells. Buffy Buffy is um, the pop culture thing where being able to cast spells is a learned ability rather than an innate trait. Yes. Um, so I guess if we're talking about magic as a hereditary line versus a learned skill, there is always... A subplot somewhere of you can't you are risking losing this line if you date marry conceive with someone who is not magical but i agree it is one of my favorite parts of that movie right um so the notion of any inherent worth tied to bloodline is absolutely disgusting to me like capable of invoking a feeling of repulsion yes. on a very deep level so then there, the it difference was a... is for this one that it does come across as more racist as like rather than harry potter did because harry potter 
villainizes basically anybody that feels that magic should be pure. Right. And Sabrina, I'm thinking of the 90s Sabrina show. I don't really know anything about the comics um, because the only Sabrina comic I ever read was The Chilling Adventures. And wow, that's dark enough. Um, But the TV show also kind of has this line, but like. Like, for instance, something tells me that I. So because her dad married a mortal. And so like the fact that if that she ends up marrying a mortal, I guess if they have kids, they won't be able to see their dad at some point. I don't know. It's a very weird world. So like she's not alone in doing this, but it is also 20. Oh, 2018 now. But this was, you know, published in 2017. Like this, this should be going towards more of a, we as a community are starting to get away from that kind of thing. But I, I, I get needing to have, if this is such a big deal in her community, then the divide shouldn't be between two mortal guys. And also, can't you just see the character as being the sort of person who would be horrifyingly racist and literally not know she was being racist? Oh, Just, yeah. like, so completely unaware? Oh, like, yeah. All right. I mean, she's from the South. Like, I'm sorry, but you cannot have been born in the South and then claim that you have no inherent racist ideals that you're trying to fight. Yep. So that's my personal two cents. Um, and who knows, maybe we figure out either Jackson or Mac has magic at some point. And this becomes um, completely pointless because as a reminder, like what have we seen of Jackson before this chapter? Um, a twinkle in a... his eye and he plays music. Yep. Every conversation they have is glossed over. It's, and yeah, yeah. And then she, and then she goes through the same thing with Mac. Um, Opposite. Oh, track. Mac has yep passion. Blah, blah blah. And then they go back to the tarot reading. There's which some, is, wait. There's something addictive about his presence that I couldn't even explain to myself. I had rarely missed anyone besides my mother. I'm sorry. If you're thinking of someone in that way, like I get that. It's adding drama to have this love triangle, but either make the triangle more solid or like fuck off with it. I'm done. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm sorry. This triangle is one of the most annoying ones I've ever read. Um, so. Oh, so then the, she starts talking about how her mom's favorite band is the monkeys and how they had their own t- TV show. And that there is this line that Peter Work says, or Peter Tork says. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I looked this up, and it is not from the Monkeys show. It is from the Monkeys movie. Head. And it is from Head, and it is not said by Peter Tork. Who says it? Uh, it is said by uh, Swami. Huh. So give me a second, and I'll give you the full quote. Because apparently my phone is being, there it is. We, we were speaking of belief, belief and conditioning. All belief possibly could be said to be the result of some conditioning. Thus, the study of history is simply the study of one system of beliefs de- deposing another, and so on and so on and so on. A psychologically tested belief of our time is that the central nervous system, which feeds its impulses oops, directly to the brain, the conscious and subconscious is unable to discern 
between the real and the vividly imagined experience. Is there a difference? And most of us believe there is. Am I being clear? For to examine these concepts requires tremendous energy and discipline. To allow the unknown to occur and to occur requires clarity. And where there is clarity, there is no choice. And where there is no choice, there is misery. By then, why should anyone listen to me? Why should I speak since I know nothing? Now, he did write the song, at least, that that is from. Peter Tork did. So is that, the, it's is that a song? Yeah, there's. it's a musical number. Oh, okay. I haven't actually seen Head. So. It's a it's a good movie. It's surprisingly um it's I think it's properly rated because anyone who knows about Head is going to be like, Yeah, it's actually really cool. Frank Zappa's in it. Um well, it's still, produced by the Just another reminder that three editors went through this and nobody highlighted this to be like, hmm, didn't come from the T V show. Yep. Wasn't actually said by Peter Tork in the show. Maybe it was written by him, but Yep. Yeah. And to take this quote that is quite philosophical on the whole and to be like he was probably choosing between girls like well it's 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 a fun it's a very it's a very common concept in terms of the negation of self as a release of suffering um which i am like fucking balls deep in thanks to my sources of Indian tradition book that I've been slogging through. <laughs> um, so it didn't bother me too much. I also like the monkeys though. The proper favorite monkey is Mike Nesmith. Cause Peter Tork is kind of a dong. Um, <laughs> so not Davy Jones. Well, Davy Jones also works. Um, so all I know so the, is that there is an episode of boy meets world where Peter Tork is the father of Topanga. Yes. And then Davy Jones shows up and then the dad, um, the dad's friend, not not Topanga's dad, um, Corey's dad, is oh god, I can't remember which one. But so three of the four monkeys show up and um, sing uh, "My Girl." Nice. So that ends an episode. Uh, this is going to bother me. Which one is the dad's friend? Um. So they go to a bar. Um. They go to McMullen's. There's a throwaway line that says Damar was talking about something that she di- really didn't understand. Okay, I'm glad you got that too because that made me mad. What do you think it was? Um, judging by context clues, they're talking about music and merch ideas, and it had to be something involving that, right? Like, I don't know. I don't know. I doubt um, he's off in his own little world talking to himself about you know. Someday rain will come and wash the scum off the streets, etc. Um, so another guy shows up and oh, she's tries... standing by herself, right? And this guy walks all up to her. Mickey is the then, other one that shows up. Th- yeah, exactly. Then Max shows up, <laughs> and they um. You know, they bare their teeth at each other to express dominance. Okay. Uh, All of this is shitty. All of this is shitty because it shows that there's no communication going on. It shows that Zade is awful. Because 
she is refusing. This isn't Mac is trying to decide if he is Zade's boyfriend or not. This is Zade needs to decide who she's dating. And no, this so, is this is this is, this is neither of those things. This is some guy shows up and starts chatting up Zade. Then Mac shows up and escalates things. But it's like I, I'm talking about specifically this one part. Okay. Justin, he replies, looking at me. Is this your boyfriend? I couldn't I could tell this was about to get interesting. I looked up at Mac and didn't say anything. I guess the idea of competing against more than Jackson did not interest Mac one bit. He looked at me for a second as if to ask me what he should say. I stayed silent. He was going to have to figure this one out on his own. Fuck you. He has no idea what he is to you. Also, have they done anything beyond like smooch under a bridge in the rain? All right. I mean, it's no, there's nothing implying that they've done more than that. Which goes back to a comment that I had made in a previous episode about how this has a really strangely middle school take yes. on romance. It is entirely because... like there is no communication. Yeah. Um. So he basically goes coworker, not even friend. They're just coworkers. So like, yeah. all Zaid had to say was like, "He's my friend." Yes, we're dating. Anything. Anything. Like this is not on Mac. To fill the silence. Yep. And she is just trying to make him work harder. Right. And that is shitty. And Justin continues to be a dickbag about it. He doesn't and have, it's, it's not, he's not being a dickbag to me. This guy is not her boyfriend. This guy is interrupting right. him, chatting her up. She has at no point been like, hey, I'm not interested. He is hitting on a woman in a bar. Okay, I guess, so when when he asks Zayd, is this your boyfriend, that is just such a power move that it it's it's aggressive and prickish to me. I agree. So, 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 so setting aside the later events of the chapter, I would say at this point, I am comfortable in saying that Justin is being a dick, which Mac doesn't help because Mac continues to feed into the weird I don't know asserting don- well because because okay if I have if you I, no 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 no, no. bar and is chatting me up and then another guy walks up and just like interjects himself in says like hi my name is Mac mm-hmm. and the guy's like I get it he is interested in Zade <laughs> why would not his first question be like is this your boyfriend like did I get my signals mixed I don't know. I just, I get where it comes off as being prickish because we're supposed to think it's being prickish, but thinking of it in real terms, I don't find Justin to be at fault here. Well, so, so, so we are missing, um, some significant information here because the, the, the body language is, is key because it's, it's quite possible that, I could see this scene as Justin approaches Zade. Zade looks kind of skeeved out. And then Mac shows up to try and, and make a assist, like a, a, a p- p- provide polite cover for an exit. Then that and that's, should be better explained. 
I, I, and that's, that's kind of how I read this scene as starting is that Mac shows up and tries to provide, you know, lay down chaff. So, so Zade can extricate herself from a situation. Uh, and, and, and the, I mean, the, 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 the proper, the proper play, if you are engaged in conversation with someone at a bar and someone else, a third party shows up is don't stop and immediately ask if the person who showed up is dating the person you're talking to, because that just makes everything awkward and weird. What you do is you just keep having the conversation and downshift and then wait for a chance to just end it politely and go your separate ways. And then no one has to get a concussion. I just, even the paragraph before, I can't tell you whether or not she is trying to get away or not because it talks about her. He's obviously hitting on her though. She's not interested, but he's funny and it's nice to have him funny over me. And honestly, it was better than hat talking and standing by myself. awkwardly. like it does. That's fair. That's a reasonable human interaction. Yeah. It doesn't read as, it reads like any interaction I would have at a bar where it's like, cool, I'm not interested, but this is better than like standing by myself, but I'm not yep. like looking for someone to get me out of this necessarily. Yep. So, um, then the next paragraph, um, he's explicitly gross and skeevy and he grabs her arm and Justin grabs her arm and starts to pull Zade back roughly. Um, so then, you know, it escalates Justin escalates it. Uh, Because before that, Mac wedges in between Justin and me before looking directly at me and remarks, we're about to do shots. Uh, We wanted you to join us. Like at no point again, has they like given a clue. Hey, we, you know, I, I want an out here kind of thing. Like I agree. Justin ends up coming off incredibly creepy and gross here, but nobody covers themselves with laurels. Um, but yeah, so he's like demand, like trying to pull her away, being controlling. Like I, this isn't great for Mac either. Um, and like she gave him a look that said I wasn't thrilled before answering. Oh, um, sure, shots, cool. And like I was already thinking of the speech I would be giving Mac later. So like she's not exactly happy that Mac intervened. But then right. yes, drunk Justin does get creepy. Yep. So. The um, it escalates to physical conflict. There's a bunch of dialogue, which I'm skipping over. Um, Tad shows up. Tad does a run in. Um, he does the Obi Wan Kenobi shit. This one here is not worth the trouble. Come here, let me buy you something. Um, <laughs> and then Tad points out that Mac has a posse. Like Andre the Giant before him. Um, which I'm, I was really hoping because they're all, they're all stage crew, right? They're all, they all have a theater background. I was really hoping for more of a West side story quote here <laughs> to show up because, um, you know, all the, all the, the stage crew is like, yeah, yeah. You mess with one of us. You mess with all of us. Um, yeah. The fact that like, I, I guess I like the fact that Tad is quite loyal, but like, I don't know. I guess I would have been the friend that was like, dude, you jumped in this. This is your own fault. I don't know. Oh, oh yeah. Like, 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 trust me. I am, I am a very loyal friend and I am perfectly willing to let one of my friends shoot themselves in the dick with a staple gun. If 
they decide to do that. You know, maybe I would politely suggest don't do that, but I'm not going to dive in the way of the staple and the dick. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it, it, Did this it's, happen it, before? I, you know, I don't want to talk about it. Uh, I was. <laughs> okay. Um, um, so yeah. And then Justin has a posse too. And then Justin's posse is like, stop being a dick. Yeah. It shows you how little I cared about this interaction. There's like no highlighting for me in this interaction because it's just, have you ever, did you watch Veronica Mars? Um, I watched, I think I watched the first two seasons. I found that, see my, my viewpoint of the universe is Calvinist enough that I don't need it reinforced in my drama. Um, and so I found, I like, I understand that it was um, commenting on that with the O-Niners, but the episode where um, Mac, the techie girl, right? Yep. Uh, where it, that you find out that she was switched at birth. Yep. And um, so the wretched person who got gifted to the O-Niner parents is super wealthy and happy. And Mac's home life sucks and she's sad all the time. I just that episode goes down, but yeah. Okay. I, 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 I just found that incredibly. I, I, I found that what it said about the importance of your parents to accurately reflect the world that we live in, in such a way that, I did not want to continue engaging in the show, which is why I like the part in Last Jedi where it finds out that race parents are no one. Stop doing that. <laughs> Stop. You were making editing more difficult for me. You were an <laughs> asshole. I did not take that episode to be that way at all because Mac's parents still love her and everything. She just doesn't relate to them. And like, oh, what yeah, I mean, and, and, and so, right, yeah, sure, yeah. sure. But yeah, that's, my point that's, being, that's true. So you mm-hmm. didn't see the Ronica Mars movie. No. Also, doesn't Mac get, like, she gets a STI from being raped at some point, right? No, that's Veronica. Oh, Veronica does. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, then in the movie, they go back. There's, like, a uh, reunion. for Their high school reunion happens. And then there's this really great fight scene where, like, two guys that she's been with and her best guy friend and the other guy that's just kind of always around um, all go into a fight because someone insults Veronica. That's how this feels to me. Oh my Except God. For so, that, like, that's so like Logan very well and Piz shot. and everyone teams up? Yes. Oh, that's delightful. And then um, I think she ends up setting off the fire alarm. So they're all dripping wet because of the, 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 what you would call it, shower heads pop on. And it's a great scene. It also always makes me laugh because it's like, I don't know how if it's commenting on itself or anything like that, but it is still a better, well done scene than this. I I, I would give um, Rob Thomas enough credit uh, for self awareness. Oh, to, totally. Um, because because he's so smooth. Uh, he kills Rob Thomas and I Zombie. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Um, so so yeah. Then Justin runs into a I beam. Is that what he does? I don't even remember. Crashed into a metal beam that spanned oh, from floor right. to ceiling in the main part of the bar. So I've done that. I've run into a beam. That shit hurts. Yeah. Um, not in a bar. That's basic- it was at the tennis court. That is not the end of this book or end of this chapter. Is no. 
they have to talk about um so so girls are talking about clothes because math is hard let's go shopping um again no woman in this book is portrayed well that is not Zade or her mother and even her mother does not get portrayed that well this is shitty stop in 2018 for the love of god stop writing bitchy characters that have no reason or superficial characters have more than one good female character in your book for the love of god stop lowering other women to make your character who is a shitty person look better speaking of shitty people um most of the rest of the chapter is taken up by tad and jackson and mac trying to figure out which one of them is the biggest prick um Tad properly gives Mac bullshit, or gives Mac shit, um, but he does it in a weird way, because I agree, Mac acted like an asshole in that interaction, but Tad puts it all on Mac. Tad says, if you're not serious enough to say you're dating, then Zade can talk to whomever she wants. We're not 15, that's high school bullshit. Now, I would agree with that last two, the last two parts of that sentence, but... I also think that it would be reasonable to say that perhaps it's a might bit unfair of Zade to expect Mac to say that they're dating at this point. Oh, I agree. Um, then Jackson shows up and Jackson tries to do this like... Where the hell has Jackson been in this entire conversation? Like Jackson comes out looking much better here. Well, I think Jackson, but doesn't, doesn't Jackson do that fucking Batman thing where he just sort of like shows up and then disappears? Yes, because, Um, because obviously she's never going to pick Jackson because Jackson has no personality. Jackson is a place filler and that is it. Right. Uh, Plus he's, he's so devoted to a ska band. Um, So, so Jackson shows up, says Zade's a big girl. She can take care of herself, which assumes facts, not in evidence. Um, then he pieces out. And then you get another few paragraphs of math is hard. Let's go shopping. Which. She is incapable of listening to women talk. This is what I'm starting to learn. Like she the guy, being she the never, author or the character. Probably both. But okay. she speaking of the character specifically. <laughs> Anytime guys are talking, she never zones out. They never show her zoning out during that or anything like that. But then she starts talking to these girls. Again, girls, not women. You are adults. Fuck you. I'm so... I, that's just a pet peeve. Um, but yeah, Perla, because why not? A tall, dark-haired girl with perfect lips who is one of the acrobats in the show had been saying my name. What's your favorite clothing store? She asked slowly and purposely, putting emphasis on the word store. Because, I guess, don't pick your favorite clothing or your favorite clothing line. I don't know. This whole section is shitty. So I am... I only rarely wear women's clothing and none of it is designer. Is Betsy Johnson a legitimate... Yes. Is that a thing that exists? Okay, mm-hmm. free people? Is that also a... I think so. I don't know if it's necessarily called free people, but I feel like it is something familiar. Give me a sec. 
Okay. Uh, no, it's 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 plausibly clothes. So it's it's clothing, 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 and then she walks out of the bar, and that's it. Yeah. And see. I mean, to be fair, um, free people is a an actual yes. Um, okay. So is it Sally's beauty, line? Betsy Johnson, free people. So to those be fair, that exist. The only time we ever really talk, see the guys talking is ninety percent of the time they're talking about Zade. Mm-hmm. Like or talking about talking about Zade. Exactly. Occasionally, the band talks about merchandise and stuff, but it's not like she can understand the black guy in the band. And so and, whatever. and whatever strange, mysterious thing Damar was talking about. Exactly. Um, but so I guess like maybe this is me being just too angry at the fact that like you're not developing any female characters and the only thing that you're trying to do with your female characters is lower them to make Zade look better. Mm-hmm. And, but like, yeah, this is all of her female characters either hate Zade or talk about clothes. Or both. Or both. Yes. Yeah. So. Um, so yeah, uh, that's it. Um, for this chapter, it goes out like a wet fart. Uh, more so than most chapters do in this book. Um, all right, let me let me see if the old magic is still there and figure out what I think is going to happen next. Um, the next chapter is The Devil, um, <laughs> which uh, I'm not going to recommend it this week, and I will probably not remember to recommend it next week, but you should go f- watch the Ken Russell movie The Devils. It's great. Um, all I've ever read is fantastic in it. Um, so... After this aborted bar fight, um, oh, um, I want a chapter where concussed Justin and his crew hang around out back and wait for Mac and everyone to leave. So we finally get the, the cathartic release of violence and the next (laughs) chapter is just this fucking eco uwes the raid fight scene. Uh, like absolute brutality where it's, you know, hair, teeth and eyeball and claw hammers and shit. So that's what I want from the next chapter, um, which I don't think is going to happen, but a man can dream. Can't he? Yes. Uh, ready for recommendations? Sure. All right. Uh, I have something to recommend that I just picked up. It is the magical revival by Kenneth Grant. Okay. And it is the first of his, the first volume of his first Typhonian trilogy. Uh, there are three of them, total of nine books. Uh, Kenneth Grant was a student of Aleister Crowley and the executor of Austin Osmond Spare's literary estate. So uh, he bridges the gap between uh, the old OTO and the 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 sort of Jack Parsons fifties sci fi take on the occult, where like L. Ron Hubbard too, uh, because there was this really weird moment uh, where the people interest the people who th- thought that America could put a man into space by virtue of rocket technology were insane patriotic Americans like Jack Parsons or 
literal Nazis <laughs> that had been smuggled out in Operation Paperclip. So, like, the, 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 the history of early rocket science in America is really weird, and Kenneth Grant is a good sort of tangent out of that. Um, he's also not a rapist, so if you want to get a handle on the OTO thing without having to read unfiltered Crowley, uh, Kenneth Grant is a good start. And he adds the Lovecraft uh, Cthulhu mythos into the OTO, which is really cute. Um, So, yeah, Joe Bob says, check it out. (laughs) Um, I'm going to recommend... I've only been reading comics this week, so I'm going to recommend some comics. Um, I just read volume eight of Saga, um, eight volumes in, and I have yet to hit a volume that disappoints. Um, number seven made me sob uncontrollably for quite a bit. Um, so I do not recommend reading seven without picking up eight immediately so that you can cry less, hopefully, than I did. Um, but yeah, I keep feeling that the next volume is going to be the one that finally wanes and disappoints me, and it has yet to happen, which is fantastic. Um, I also read Four Kids Walk Into a Bank, which is by... Matthew Rosenberg, um, who has kind of blown up this past year. He got a lot of new jobs with, I think Marvel is who he's primarily working with, though I feel like he also has some DC, um, but I could be very wrong about that because I don't really read Marvel or DC. Um, But Four Kids Walk Into a Bank is a very tight five-issue, one-trade comic. It finishes during that. If you are like me and not big on the whole superhero comics, um, then I recommend this one. Each each issue starts with a fantasy game because uh, it, it really is for kids. Um, and so like they play D&D or they're playing cars or something like that. And it's really great for the first two pages. Um, and yeah, it is uh, surprisingly dark, but also wonderful. So yeah, those are the two, I guess, that I've read most recently. I'm now reading Fables number three, so comics cool um yeah uh awesome i need to check out four kids walk into a bank yeah it's pretty good um he also apparently frequents my um the comic book store i go to on a regular oh neat. so um when i picked up a bunch of issues actually i think it's when i picked up his other one which is we can never go home um which has a very weird ending i still don't know if i recommend it i enjoyed it but i don't know if i recommend it um i get that so, yeah, they, the cashier was telling me how he frequents the store. So um, I kind of hope I run into him one day. And uh, the host of one of the comic podcasts that I listen to absolutely love him, understandably. So Cool. Where else can they find you on the internet? Um, you can find me in so many places. Um, I have two other podcasts, uh, Judging Book Covers and... Fable Eulis Retaliants, um, both of which will be starting back up this week. Uh, Judging Book Cover starts next, or this coming up Sunday. Um, and we just started season four for Fabulous. Uh, we are doing 12 Dancing Princesses. So if you go and listen to the episode that comes out tomorrow or Tuesday, um, it is actually the start of the new season. And there is a lot of me ranting about like, is this a fairy tale because what the fuck is the moral of the story? Because it is a very, very weird um, fairy tale. So it's also our first Brothers Grimm 
um, which is kind of cool. And uh, we're looking forward to talking about it this season. And because there's no dad rape in this, um, which there was in Donkey Skin. So thank God. <laughs> like, I will take 12 sisters murdering um, guys because they don't want to talk about what they're doing at night over uh, dad trying to rape his daughter any day. Okay. So, Good to know. Um, and I also have a blog. That you can find at meggriffin.com. That's M-E-G-G-G-R-I-F-F-I-N.com. So, what about you? What? Uh, I can be found at Over the Tabletop, a bi-weekly, weekly-ish podcast focused on two-player board games. Uh, Over the Tabletop podcast at gmail.com. Over the Tabletop podcast on Facebook. Uh, Libsyn. Um, et cetera, et cetera. After I get off the horn with you, I'm probably going to settle down and record this week's episode. Cool. Um, and yeah, that's about it. Um, you can find yeah. this podcast at uh, on Facebook and Twitter at Handbook Podcast. I think every week I debate whether or not to start an Instagram and have yet to actually do so. Um, but we are on there. Um, yeah, I think... Um, I got something I'll talk to you about after we finish recording. Um, so we will be back next week to talk about chapter 11, which is the devil. Um, I have no idea how we are looking. Are we, I think we just hit the halfway point of this book. Um, I will tell you that I am on page 210 of a 432 page book. Uh, but the uh hold on there's the acknowledgments uh there's uh okay so the actual narrative uh ends at page 413 okay. so, so yeah we're about halfway through this book does yours have the first chapter of the next book at the end yes and i i i really sort of glazed over that because oh, i don't I want to spoil myself yeah i haven't read it um, all right cool it, i, I so, think yeah. i started too and was like nope i'm good um, Until next time, I remain for my sins, James DeBrooker. And I'm Megan Griffin. Bye. Be seeing ya.